putting a little bit of reality into exercise and, and, and there are opportunities for people like, you know, here in form in, in, in Manhattan to walk off the street and walk into a place where they're going to be really well looked after. And that, that is replicated and can be replicated even more around the world. Can you provide your client with an experience that reinforces the positive impact of a high-intensity training workout? Hello once again, Inform Nation. We certainly appreciate you joining us here for episode number 51 of the Inform Fitness Podcast. Tim Edwards here with the Inbound Podcasting Network and a longtime client of Inform Fitness. Today, the founder of Inform Fitness and New York Times bestselling author Adam Zickerman is joined by Simon Shawcross. Now, one of the first things you'll notice about Simon is that he flew across the pond to spend some time with Adam. He's a fellow high-intensity personal trainer based out of London. In addition to his personal training, Simon is a weight loss coach and the co-author of the book, The One Diet. Simon can be found traveling around the world and speaking to corporations as a wellness expert. So in this episode, Simon and Adam will discuss the state of high-intensity training methods across the globe. What are some of the different philosophies associated with high-intensity training? And of course, some of the common threads regarding this protocol as practiced around the world. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is kind of cool. This is kind of an impromptu uh, get-together. I have with me today Simon Shawcross. He's from across the pond. Simon works with a lot of uh, trainers all around the country. He, he's, uh, he's an educator, and he has some really valuable insight, I think, because he talks to people like me all around the world, people that are uh, advocates for high-intensity training. And because he's talking to so many different people, it'll be interesting to see their takes on high-intensity training and, and if there's any variation of a theme that we can learn from. Uh, so, so welcome to the show, Simon. Thank you, Adam. Hi, Tim. Hi, everybody who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, Simon, as I said, uh, you've been around the world interviewing entrepreneurs, high-intensity enthusiasts, researchers, scientists, doctors about high-intensity training. We've just spoken about my philosophy. You've been, you visited our gym for a while. We talked about what we do, how we do it. And my listeners, for the most part, know our approach. So, What's different out there? What, where are the variations? What, what are people doing uh, that might be slightly different and interesting at how they approach, whether it be from an exercise physiology point of view or training point of view, or maybe even from a business point of view? You can go wherever you want with this to start, and we'll take it from there. Okay. Well, I, I think I'll start off with a fairly recent conversation with Dr. Doug McGuff okay. about uh, exercise into middle age and beyond and looking at things like myokines and the research that is being done uh, about really effectively a young science it's only about 10 years old now and just showing the impact that muscle tissue has um, on the human physiology and the fact that it is no longer looked as, as like a sort of set of dumb fibers that the nervous system acts on. Now we can look at it as a secretionary organ that has hugely beneficial uh, effects and implications. So uh, muscles are a secretionary organ, organ. And one of those things that you just mentioned, myokines. Myokines, absolutely. So yeah. one of those things that secretes are myokines. Which, and myokines just go out and send signals uh, to other muscle cells and in some cases cells around the body telling them to do certain things, effectively telling them to get fitter and to get better and more capable. Um, so that's, that's one aspect of the stuff we're learning nowadays. Is, is We've always known how much of a positive impact this has, but we're also now learning 
how much of that positive impact and how that occurs so we can perhaps explain it better in the future to our clients as well. So what about myokines? So let's get into these myokines a little bit. Sure. Um, what was Dr. McGuff talking about them and saying? Effectively saying that when you cause the release of myokines, what you're doing is you're sending this very strong signal to the body, to certain organs, to get stronger, to get more capable, to send in some, some situations uh, uh, an anti-tumor message. Myokines have been shown to have a positive impact on certain cancers. So it really is how the human physiology responds um, to uh-huh. strengthen an exercise mm-hmm. at a cellular level. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we come from the high-intensity, both of us, we come from a high-intensity training community. And I tell you, in the past, this community has been quite rigid sometimes about what exercise is. And probably <laughs> that's a very um, understandable reaction to kind and- of what goes as being fitness out there in the wider, in the wider world. Right. Because, you know, anything you can throw at a wall and sticks gets promoted and sold as exercise out there. Um, and, and, you know, if you go, if you go out and, you, and your purpose is to go and have fun, fine. But we also know that to create a really positive physiologic adaptation, we want the intensity to be high enough. And, and if we're going to make the intensity relatively high, we also want to do it safely. So we have longevity behind this. And... I think what we've been seeing is that people were too rigid about high-intensity training in the past, and, and, and people within the industry are really focused, can be focused on the minutia and arguing and infighting about the minutia a little bit too much. And what's ve- <laughs> that might be an understatement. Um, but what is super refreshing that I'm beginning to experience at the moment is that if you actually go and visit people, who are putting who, who are on the ground putting this work in day in and day out there are permutations and there are things that people do, are doing that are uh, a little bit more open minded than perhaps may come up, come across online that engage the audience um, and keep people coming back through the door um, consistently week after week and year after year whilst not diluting what is our what our core message is, and that's okay, the kind of stuff that's interesting. I love it. I love it. Okay, so before we start getting into the variations that you're referring to and the open mindedness uh, that you're referring to, and what you're noticing is people becoming less rigid from those core principles that are out there. Let's talk about those core principles sure. first, and what a rigid uh, protocol might look like, and then we'll we'll expand from there. Okay, so I would say like a, a very traditional approach to this would be, let's say, one or two workouts a week performed on relatively high-end equipment. So you could say decent, uh, Nautilus, Medex, David equipment mm-hmm. um, performed one set to failure, uh, sets lasting 60 to 90 seconds, mm-hmm. a workout totaling probably around about 20 minutes would, mm-hmm. would be typical. And, and that's it. So a person walks in off the street, performs that uh, routine with a trainer. They might stick to a very rigid uh, tempo or cadence during that time as well. So the person might say, you, you, it's imperative that you move up in eight seconds and move back down in eight seconds on, it, or, or on every exercise uh, and to every individual who walks through their door. Um, so that, no cardio, right? The traditional high-intensity training interpretation would be you're getting your cardio right. whilst you're doing the workout. 
what I'm seeing now with some of places that I'm visiting is, let's take that example of cardio, yeah. is that people are incorporating a more traditional cardio modality into uh, the protocol too. So they might have somebody on an exercise bike or, or a cross trainer um, or even a, even a recumbent bike or a treadmill um, if it's appropriate and performing high intensity style interval training. On the bike or... Yeah, exactly. And so, so... So they're not doing steady state necessarily. No, not necessarily. I'd say within the in the uh, gym environment, that would be pretty much a no to the steady state stuff. They wouldn't within have... Within the high intensity training Yeah, community. they wouldn't have somebody come in and, and, and sit for park their, their bum on the, the treadmill for right. 20 minutes or mm. on the bike for 20 minutes. So they're doing intervals. They're mixing so it, intervals. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Separate from the weight training workout, or are they are they doing interval and doing the, the high intensity? That's a good training? question. I, I I've seen it and know of it being done both ways. So right. sometimes the, uh, a trainer will have somebody come in on a let's say a Monday, mm -hmm. do a uh, quite a traditional high intensity resistance or strength training workout, and then the client will come back in on another day of the week um, and do a twenty minute or a twenty minute high intensity interval training workout, probably of which. No more than sort of 10 minutes of that is, is really intense stuff. Right, right. Um, so what's, what are you finding out as a rationale? So what, why are they deciding to break away from the rigid, original? I mean, let's, let's say, you know, the way Ken Hutchins originally laid, laid it out. Uh -huh. uh, Ken Hutchins, for those who don't know, he pretty much is the architect of the slow, high-intensity training movement. He named it Super Slow. It's basically t lifting 10 seconds up. It's originally was five seconds down because machines at the time had a little bit more friction than normal. Now that machines have less friction, a typical super slow uh, protocol might be 10 seconds up, 10 seconds down. No room for any types of uh, steady state cardio, stretching, flexibility, balance, none of that stuff. And you know, the way Simon described it, it was just five or six compound movement exercises to muscle failure, one set, and you're done. Yeah. So what? So back to the question, uh, what is the rationale? What has been the rationale for people kind of moving out of that dogmatic uh, idea? Well, well I, I think it's probably, probably twofold. One would be that um, people enjoy that kind of intense cardio if we're going to call it that mm -hmm. um and people there is a demand for it too so you could be ultra strict in saying my facility only does high intensity strength or resistance training mm -hmm. and you could educate your your clients people who walk through your door saying that that's all we do here and you might find that some people don't come back because they are looking to engage in something like this. And if, as a trainer, you can apply this uh, modality safely and effectively, mm -hmm. or perhaps more safely than you could do, or, 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 or with a higher degree of um, uh, respect than might happen at other facilities, then why, why wouldn't you? And, and it can serve mm -hmm. a purpose, too. Is it, is it going to give you anything dramatically more than performing high-intensity resistance training alone? No. I don't believe it, it, it would right. do, but I think for certain people, it, it's very appropriate because it helps them engage their physiology in a way that they find quite natural to do, and it gives them another another physiologic and psychological challenge 
um, which is a value. And I think you, you can't take the individual psychology out of the workout. There is always going to be that aspect. And if you're not tailoring to a, to a degree, um, your workouts to your client, even within the resistance training side of stuff alone, then you're mm. not doing the best you possibly can for that individual. Now, it is a little bit contra, it's probably the only exercise realm, our realm, where it's controversial to say you might add in some high intensity <laughs> interval training cardio. Right. But I know that's something you've been doing as well here, right? Yeah. I, uh, I've been definitely introducing for certain individuals uh, high-intensity interval training for sure. Uh, and I asked you if it's mixed in during the workout or is it a separate thing because I know what we're doing. I was just curious. Uh, and I, I've, I've heard of it both ways. Yes, and we do it both ways as well. Um, I find myself using the high-intensity interval training uh, with the types of people that don't seem to have a pulse. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I can put them through like, you know, six or seven exercises and uh, work out pretty darn hard for each one of them. And uh, they walk out of here saying, okay, thank you very much. And they zip out of here like nothing happened. I'm like, wow. Uh, if I did what they just did, I'd be on the floor like a puddle. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but for some reason, I get them on that bike and I do... Uh, 20 seconds hard as you can on and then a minute off. And then I do that two or three, four times. And now they're, now they're, I'm peeling them off the floor, which is what I want to do. And uh, they, so normally I'm incorporating it with their workout or yeah. within their workout. I also do a variation where do you, you, do you do that before or after the strengthening portion? Typically? I do it after the strengthening portion. I want them to put as much as they can into the strengthening portion portion and stimulate those muscles for muscle growth. Uh, and then, and then, I like to push their energy systems, if you will, by throwing them on the bike at the end. Mm. Uh, very rarely will I do it first because if I do intervals with them first and then I try to get them down the leg press or anything for that <laughs> matter, you know, they're, they're, they're useless, basically. Uh, there's another type of person different from that uh, that I also do intervals with uh, in a different way. And those are the uh, people kind of like myself, actually, where I'll do five compound movements, uh, six maybe, uh, maybe add in a simple movement. You know, I, I just have a thing with bicep curls because I'm self-conscious about my small biceps. So I'm always throwing in bicep curls. It's an irrational thought, of course, but I do it. But I'm mainly doing a, a compound uh, movement routine and I'm pretty much wasted after five or six exercises. Um, and I do that once a week. It turns that for me, that that's nice for me once a week. Uh, but then I miss out because I get so blown out from just the big five. So the, you know, to, to give Dr. McGuff a plug, you know, the, the Doug McGuff big five, uh, after I do something similar to that, uh, I miss out on doing like rotary torso and back extensions and neck extensions and, uh, you know, some ab crunches and things like that. And I, I feel like I want to do that as well. So what I do there is I'll do the rotary torso. I'll do low back extensions uh, do a routine like that, and then I'll do a set of intervals separate from the major compound movement exercise routine because I'm not really spent after I do. And is that then, is that then done on a second day in the same that's week? Doing, no, that's a second day in, yeah. in the same week, exactly, yeah. within the same week. So so I'm doing a set of intervals once, maybe sometimes twice a week if I'm stressed out. And, you know, intervals for me, you know, I'm literally doing uh, 20 seconds on, a minute off, 
three or four times. But the 20 seconds I have on is that I do it on a bicycle and it's at a very high tension at very high RPMs. And to maintain 100 RPMs at the highest tension I can handle for 20 seconds, you know, it, it takes everything I got to keep that 100 from going to 99, if you know what I mean. It, to keep it's that shocking RPM. how tough that is. Oh my God. You know, uh, it seems the first 20 seconds, you know, pretty easy to keep it above 100. But, you know, if I keep that same tension a minute later and I do it again. Wow. I mean, after 10 seconds, I'm already fighting to keep it above 100 RPMs. And then the third and fourth time I do it, probably the last 10 seconds of each of those, I'm like at 95, 98. See it bleeding off. Uh, yeah. And I, the bicycle's rocking back and forth. I am like putting my whole body into it. Horrible form at that point. <laughs> you know. Uh, and and uh, when I'm done with it all, uh, it's so much pain and I'm gasping for air. Uh, and and uh, that relieves a lot of stress for me quite honestly yeah you know, I, I'm, I'm with you on that i i recently set myself a challenge of um running a running at 800 meters fast as i can um and i'm, I'm, I'm i've just started doing this i'm working working my way up a what i had forgotten is how long a distance 800 meters is <laughs> when you're trying to run at your maximum capacity for that that length and for me that takes me around about three minutes and that's that like pushing it like that is hard and then, so what I'm doing is... What is 800 meters? About a half a mile? Um, we're Americans here. 800 meters. Oh, what's the conversion on that? I don't know. That's, uh, that's uh, yeah, about ha exactly half a mile. Pretty much exactly about half, half a mile. mile. Well, yeah. you said three minutes and, you know. All right, good. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Half a mile in three minutes. Well, it is, I'm, I'm looking to get under three minutes. That's, that's my goal. So right. what I'm doing at the moment is breaking that down into smaller portions. Exactly. So I'll do a minute and a half take two minutes off, do another minute and a half, look to get that pace up as high as possible. And then I'm going to conjoin those back yeah. together again. But, but what there is, and I get from that is a, is a bit of a rush and a bit of, a bit of pleasure of using my physiology at its capacity mm -hmm. in a different way from resistance training or strength training. Do you still call it exercise or do you call that recreation out of curiosity? Because we, we, you know, in, <laughs> in our traditional uh, mantras and yeah. dogma, right, we say that running is really a recreational pursuit yeah. and doesn't have the exercise value as high intensity strength training does. Okay. I, uh, we, it seems like we've brought up um, Dr. McGuff several times already. So I'm, I'm going to bring what it up, the hell? up again. Let's, let's do that again. Because uh, he's, he's got some great um, perspectives. Hey, on hey Doug, if you're listening to this, you've got to give me some plugs too. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, he, what, what, he, what he said to me was like, if you're ever in a really bad situation, it would be good to be able to run <laughs> as fast as possible out of that situation. And it reminded me of a martial arts mentor of, of mine as well, who, who like a young kid at the gym came up to him and he, he's a mixed martial arts guy, this instructor really good at, uh, at all of the sort of attacking and defensive arts that, that would be used you know in the octagon or whatever and and the kid mm. said like i really want to be at my best for the street i only want to learn the stuff that's most appropriate for if i get up in a street fight yeah w what should i do and he said road work <laughs> run run get out of it <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah I, I i agree i can't you know i'm in that camp of people that have i was definitely a hutchie you know, they call Hutchies people that just kind of blindly follow Ken Hutchins' original philosophy. Uh, it, it's nothing personal against Ken Hutchins. I mean, you know, I kind of feel, I kind of feel we need, we all needed as dogmatic and at as as rigid as Ken Hutchins is was at least. Um, we all need people like that. 
you know, because like you said earlier, earlier in the show, you know, uh, there's so much crap out there that you have to kind of kind of get hurt. Right? Yeah, you have to kind of. It kind of reminds me of, of Frederick Douglass, you know, the abolitionist, and how he was not willing to compromise uh, on, on slavery at all. Whereas, and he had all these head-to-head combats with, with with Lincoln because, you know, he's telling Lincoln just abolish slavery. I mean, what, how hard is this? I mean, it, it, it's immoral. It's wrong. And he's like, well, it's it's more complicated than that. And, and of course, you know, Frederick Douglass is like, there is no complication. He says, yes, there is. You know, the states' rights, blah blah blah. Anyway, uh, ultimately, you, Lincoln was right. He had, in order to have progress, he had to compromise and, and meet somewhere in the middle. And I kind of feel Ken Hutchins had to do that too. To, to just be so absolute about certain concepts and, and to really make people think and get them pissed off and get them to create all this discourse to bring us to where we are now. Right. Uh, and, and here we are now, and we are, are, are all uh, respecting and honoring what Ken Hutchins did for sure. But at the same time, we're realizing that interval training, the psychology of it, one size fits all, you know, the genetics and the, and the phenotypes and genotypes that we experience and we're finding out about, you know, somebody needs a higher TUL, right? Or, or, or lower TUL. Right. Somebody like me who, who does five exercises, I can't get off the floor, yet I put somebody else through those same five exercises, working out just as hard, you know, they, they can sing an aria after that somehow, you know. How, you know so, like, obviously there are differences, right? Absolutely. And what, what I noticed is, is, a, is a long, lean, lanky guy who, who's perhaps um, naturally uh, adept or more adept at running. Right. Is like how many guys in the strengthening industry are, are bigger guys who naturally carry more muscle tissue, right. and it's like it, it's what you're saying. People tend to be drawn to what they're good at, right. but unless you're capable of walking a mile in someone else's shoes and understanding, well, no that pun might intended. not quite work exactly <laughs> the same way for somebody. Exactly, yeah, for for somebody else, you, you've got to be able to go. Okay, that physiology might need something adaptive or or something changing in the protocol from the way I would apply it to myself. Right. And I think the great trainers out there look at the person in front of them. We were talking about this earlier. You were saying exactly that you do this. It's like you look at the person in front of you. You understand their exercise hitch history. If they were a, an American football player, you know, with a defensive lineman or with a, a cornerback running around the field like mm-hmm. crazy. I'm um, impressed with your football knowledge. I'm just, just picking it up as I go. <laughs> I Very hope I good. used the right Very words good. then. Very good. Yeah, so... so Speaking, of, let's use you for example, because you right. are the tall, lanky type, and yeah. I would I would size you up. No pun intended. Again, I would size you up as, as more of an endurance athlete. Yeah. Uh, you're you're lanky, uh, tall. Yeah. Are you a naturally good runner? Reasonably. Like I'm I'm not great. I'm not wild. Like I'm not going to be setting any any world records, and I'm far too old for that now. Anyway, and but how- uh, but I enjoy it, and um, so, my strength training supports that as well. Well, I want to know what what how are you strength training? Are, how are your two ULs? Are you doing yeah, eight I, exercise? I, I, are you doing five? Are you doing compound movements? What works best yeah, for you? So, so for me, and I've really gone through the ringer of looking to do a little bit of everything to see what works. I've done the ridiculously low, uh, low amount of like two exercises once a week. And that, and what I can tell you for my physiology personally, that really doesn't do it. What I have found that, that really does work for me is that I will do about eight or nine exercises probably four, maybe five of those, probably four of those would be compound. And then the rest will be uh, single joint. Um, and what I'll do is I'll, I'll throw in the stuff, but you say you're unable to throw out, throw in, in, right. in a single workout, right. but I'll, I'll pepper my full body workout 
with those. So like I get the neck stuff in there. I might get the isolation for biceps, triceps in there, uh, isolation exercise for the calves and so on. And I'll do eight or nine exercises in one workout. And I do that workout once a week. And my tolls um, tend to be at the higher end. I just know that works better for me. Like, you said tolls, meaning time under load, by the way. Right. So um, mine will be up at a like, I, I look to make it 90 to about 100 seconds, around about that ballpark. Well, if I can do 100 seconds with, with impeccable form, <laughs> then I'm going to put the load up. But if I were to change load at 60, 60 seconds or, or 70 seconds, right. it just doesn't work as well for me. That, that load time works great. And some, some of the bigger guys, they can't really get past that kind of load time right. um, effectively. Yeah. So yeah, I'm actually in between that. Uh, you know, if, if I was to work out my workout for more than 100 seconds, 120 seconds, I mean, it's torture for me. You know, my TOLs, time, times under load are, are really, in, I'm really comfortable in the like 75 second right. range. You know, I, I feel like I'm just getting beyond the warm up at <laughs> yeah. that point. You know, and, and this is what we're talking about. I mean, these variations, you got a, a good trainer uh, needs needs to observe these things about people and, mm. and make those adaptations. And that's why it doesn't make any sense to be so dogmatic and stick to one routine. I was like that in the beginning of my career. I think we all were. We, we all were. I mean, I was definitely a hutchie for sure. Uh, and I'm proud of it, you know. Uh, yeah, but the other good thing, I, just to touch on something you sort of yeah. mentioned earlier, one of the great things about that sort of Ken Hutchins and, and super slow uh, thing that happened, but think of all the people out there now from that genesis or you could take it back and even go to Arthur Jones, sure. from that genesis, that are now peppered all over the world, putting a little bit of reality into exercise. And, and, and there are opportunities for people like, you know, here in form in, in, in Manhattan to walk off the street and walk into a place where they're going to be really well looked after. And that, that is replicated and can be replicated even more around the world. Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. And it started with Ken and, and he gets all the credit for that. And what's beautiful now is that we're all putting our own twist on it. Mm. You know, and adding our own insights and our own experiences, and it's be it's evolving beautifully. And 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 although there's too much infighting about these these variations, and oh, I can't believe he's doing that, and I can't oh negative only that's been proven not to work, you know, and, and all the 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 fighting and the and, and the insults. And but if you can read between those lines, I personally see all that stuff. And although I might say, why can't we all get along? Uh, I also smile and say, look at this. This is great. I mean, thank you, Ken Hutchins, for, for getting this going, quite honestly, and Arthur Jones. Uh, thank you for getting this going. And what I do is I just, I'm a voyeur. Like, I don't get involved in those fights, but I listen to them all and I watch them and, and, and I pick up things and I say, ooh, that has, that guy. It's like watching great debates, you know? Yeah. And although if you can get out of the insult, insults, you know, you watch a great debate, you kind of make, you come to your own conclusions about things and you bring them into your own experiences and you, and, and you, and you, you know, impart that to your client base yeah. and yourself, yeah. you know? So that's, that's why it's great having you on because you, you unlike, I mean, I talk to plenty of people in the industry, but you know, it's your job basically to, to be going around talking to everybody. Well, and, and another, another person I know you're, you're good friends with Bill De Simone, um, the stuff that he's doing. But, he, he's not such a good friend. Okay. <laughs> I know. No, I'm kidding. I love you, Bill. Just kidding. The, the stuff that he's the stuff that he's doing um, is is well is, is kind of well outside what people would. Well, it depends who you're talking. It's all relative, right? Well outside of what? It's not, you know, yeah, well outside like the the classic Hutchins kind exactly, of workout. Exactly. Yes. For well example, 
Do you mind sharing some of what so, you've learned so from Bill? It, Bill? Bill will happily use battle ropes in this gym. He says, you know, 90% ah, right. of, of the stuff you can do on battle ropes, 95% of it's crap. Don't do it. You're going to injure yourself. Right, right, but he's right. isolated what he thinks is sure. the approach to you with the yeah. battle ropes. And it. and it keeps people engaged. And you might have young athletes coming in through the door who, right. who want to engage. You know, they see the uh, football players, the MMA guys doing this kind of sexy looking hardcore stuff. Yeah. And if he can draw out a little bit of that that actually works and right. is not dangerous and will keep the client engaged, what's not to love about that? I get it. Yeah, for the same reason, you know, we don't have those in our gym and I don't think we ever will. But uh, we have... You know, along the same lines that we have TRX straps, mm. and we do we use TRX from time to time. We're doing chin ups and regular stuff like that, body weight uh, work. We're doing bird dogs and floor work, and we're and we're borrowing from other disciplines like Pilates and yoga. Yeah. And again, uh, there there we're not like you said about the battle ropes. About eighty percent of it is hogwash, how they use them, and twenty percent of it actually has some some value, you know, and you can't, th you don't want to throw uh, the baby out with it, with the bathwater, as they say. And, uh, you, and you shouldn't dismiss and, and a lot of people have, but you said you're glad to see that people are opening up their minds and not dismissing it. It doesn't fit into their neat little uh, idea. Absolutely. That's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm seeing. And I think the other thing is it, it, that we need to remember as high intensity trainers is it's fun to be physical. Mm -hmm. Like if you've, if you started to create this this better engine, this better motor, you know, with, with people who come in through the door who are pretty dysfunctional physically, maybe to start off with, mm -hmm. you don't want to deny them the opportunity to be physical in 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 that physicality in that body that you've created now. Right. It, it's right. like you want to fire up the you engine. You want to nurture that. You want to inspire them to 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 use their new strength. Uh, and again, you, you, you warn them and you caution them and you say this and, you know, and you go through the exercise versus recreation and, and I want you to use your body now that you are strong enough to use it and play your sports. But, you know, let's put things in perspective and context. And I, I think it's all good. Mm -hmm. you know? I think it's it, the, the, the thing that this is where the high intensity stuff is really important is that the strength training itself doesn't get diluted too much. It's like that's the, the underpinning of all that success in the physiology is high intensity, safely applied resistance training. And we don't want to dilute that, that aspect of it. You don't want people doing, doing crazy wild stuff, trying to build their muscle tissue on a balance ball or just ridiculous things you occasionally see on sure. YouTube if you ever spend any time there. Uh, yeah, I do, <laughs> I do just because I have to sometimes. And, but yeah, uh, so Simon, uh, the change uh, gears a little bit. As you know, I wrote Power of 10, and the Power of 10 has the three pillars, exercise, rest, and nutrition. And, and the rest part uh, is not just about sleeping. Uh, rest part is also about relieving stress. And I was wondering, you know, one thing that I've noticed is changing uh, in our industry is that a lot of the practitioners now, uh, and I think for the better, are, are incorporating a lot more of the meditative breathing techniques uh, that that would speak more to the rest and recovery aspect of, of working out. And are you noticing that uh, that's changing a little bit? Because, you know, back in the day, you know, meditation, breathing techniques, you know, that was kind of just poo-poo, just, just don't work out, you know, more than once a week or twice a week. And, 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 yeah. and that's considered rest. But rest now is a lot deeper than just that. Yeah, I think, and the recovery side of the picture is in many ways 
as important or more important than the training so you've got to obviously you've got to do the training but that recovery side it can be influenced and and sleep is super super important you know you've got to be getting good quality sleep but there are other things as you've rightly said that you can be doing to enhance your recovery from uh, intense resistance training um things i because i've got it to hand personally things i like to do is to go out for a very calm walk first thing in the morning on the trails in a meditative type of way. So I'm just walking around, pondering my day ahead of me before the stresses of a working day start. For me, that combines meditation with some, I'm, I'm focused on my footsteps, I'm focused mm. on my breathing, and I'm focused on the environment around me and enjoying that process. And that sets me up for a productive day mm-hmm. that also for me, that helps to enhance my recovery from intense exercise. I know a difference between times when I do factor that in and schedule that in, which I'm much better at doing nowadays, mm-hmm. but in the past where I just like get up, grab a cup of coffee and be straight into my working yeah. day. And I know it would take me a day, maybe two days longer to recover from an intense workout. Interesting. Yeah. Now that's your personal experience. Yeah. Anecdotally. I mean, are, are you hearing any of that? Outside of your personal experiences, I mean, with along with all your peregrinations, are are, you, are, you, are people kind of uh, kind of saying the same thing to you? In the wider picture, yes, I I think there are now more facilities that are starting to be open minded to um, in being inclusive and in including other aspects. So they might have um, somebody who's doing massage therapy on site. Right. They might have somebody who's teaching sort of perhaps a meditative. Uh, type of yoga on site Mm -hmm. and these things are contributing to uh, the client's overall wellness and there are there are you know there's loads of stuff you can do you can you can look at nowadays like um, from meditation to like uh, cold immersion to Mm -hmm. infrared saunas to to all sorts that you can look at and see can you provide your client with an experience that's that's reinforces the positive impact of a high-intensity training workout. Yeah, and to me, that that is really what the rest and recovery message is really about. It's not just getting good sleep, which of course is obvious, you know, but 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 putting you on that path, that right, that right path, that that mental clarity, the ability to recover faster. Um, I'm glad to hear that. I'm and I think it ma- I think what's been missed perhaps is it matches really really well with high intensity resistance training because mm-hmm. when somebody gets past their first I don't know 10 12 20 it, t- it takes different amounts for different people 20 sessions when they get into this type of exercise it's a very meditative type experience it's just you your physiology your muscle tissue and your nervous system and the signals you're sending from your brain working together and you're you're looking to remain as relaxed and yet focused as you can. That's, That's meditation. That's right. That's right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we'll end it there. That that was a great way to, uh, to wrap this up. And and thank you so much for visiting. I know you had a lot of people to see while you're here on the East Coast. And uh, thank you for taking the time to stop by our place and, and and seeing us and doing this interview. And I hope to have you back. And we're going to be talking a lot more in the future. It's been an absolute pleasure. I look forward to that. Right, thanks a lot. Thanks again to Simon Shawcross for his time here on the Inform Fitness Podcast. In Adam's interview with Simon, he referenced his book titled Power of 10, The Once-A-Week Slow-Motion Fitness Revolution. 
If interested in checking it out for yourself, we'll have a link in the show notes that'll take you to Amazon. And for less than 15 bucks, you'll find a ton of nutritional tips, including a handy list of foods that support the Power of 10 protocol and some effective exercise demonstrations of exercises that you can perform in the comfort of your own home. And if you like to listen to your books like I do, then check out another link in the show notes. This one will lead you to one of our new sponsors here on the Informed Fitness Podcast, Audible. If you do, there's a free audiobook download waiting for you. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes to audibletrial.com forward slash inbound. Sign up for a free 30-day membership trial and download any book you like with their over 180,000 titles to choose from. If you decide to cancel your membership for any reason and at any time, you keep all of your audiobook downloads. And while you're in there, you can pick out audiobooks from other guests we've had here on the Informed Fitness Podcast, and you'll enjoy discounts of up to 30% just by being an Audible member. All right, let's see. We've already thanked you for listening by giving you a free audiobook download from Audible. How about a free Power of 10 workout? Then click on over to the Informed Fitness website. That's informfitness.com. And of course, that link too will be in the show notes. And then once you're at the webpage, you'll find a free slow motion, high intensity workout waiting for you. Just click the try us free button right there on the homepage, fill out the form and pick your location. It's as simple as that. You can experience a free full body workout that you will complete in just 20 to 30 minutes. Thanks again for listening. And for Adam Zickerman and Mike Rogers of Inform Fitness, I'm Tim Edwards with the Inbound Podcasting Network.